0: If you think that you're going to go and accomplish something, really spe- you spend 80 hours. Yes, I get up at crazy hours, whether it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Snowflakes melt under pressure.
1: Yes, I get up at crazy hours. hours, hours, so it's 3 hours. Percent, Sometimes what seems like motivation can be detrimental. With an overwhelming amount of motivational gurus and self-help businessmen populating the media around us, those that may feel like they have some entrepreneurial spirit can be deterred from pursuing it. Obviously, building something successful requires hard work, but everyone's definition of success differs. Welcome to season two of The Commute to Class by the Blackstone Launchpad at Syracuse University. My name is Jack Lyons, and I will be exploring The uncovered sides of entrepreneurship, failing, burning out, loss of motivation, entrepreneurship with the goal to make an idea of starting a business, not some scary beast, but rather something fun and passion fueled. This week I sit down with Jack Adler and Sam Holland, founders of Out to Win Sports, a service partner in collegiate athletes and brands through an effortless and personalized process. We discussed the new NIL agreements and how that impacts student-athletes. We also discuss how to found the right co-founder and how to make sponsorships more personalized. All right, fellas. Well, I guess to start out maybe talking to you, each of you individually, um, maybe we start with you, Jack, first. But when when was the, either a moment or maybe like a time period in your life growing up that you kind of realized that you had? maybe not entrepreneurial spark, but some some desire to build something or be creative?
0: So, I mean, funny enough, I never really would have thought of myself as someone that would be an entrepreneur until, I, I mean, I guess like the pandemic really brought out my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I still can't say entrepreneur well, it still doesn't flow off the tongue. At all. But um, during the pandemic, I thought I came up with the idea for the $3 challenge. And I kind of just had a realization that my whole college experience, which had only been uh, a year up to that point, I've sort of had like the feeling that I was going to enjoy college. I was going to go through these four years and then I was going to try and make a career for myself. I was going to go become a real person. And I feel like a lot of people go through college with that same mindset. But what I realized during the pandemic was I'm about to turn 20 years old and why not start now? And I st- sort of just started thinking, like, what can I do to start now and, like, use, like, leverage these four years of freedom in college to, like, actually do something. And, like, that's kind of where the idea of entrepreneurship really started for me. And I started thinking of ways that I could actually, like, do something now. And that's where $3 Challenge came up, which was really the first time that I ever took an idea that I had and turned it into reality. And being able to take that idea and see it become a reality and see people using it, see it all around the nation, it kind of just became addicting, that feeling of seeing something that started in your mind come out and turn into a reality. And like from there, literally like I just couldn't stop. I was just nonstop thinking about new things that I could try, new things I could do and ways that I could just take like these ideas in my head and turn them into something real. And that's just kind of where my entrepreneurial spirit grew from. It all stemmed from this little idea of like why not start now?
1: yeah um well that's a that's a great one to start out on because the three dollar challenge kind of went super viral so that must have been a a great foot to start out on sam what about you
2: yeah for me i mean i've known since i was super young that i wanted to run and start some sort of business and with that being said the ideas that i had earlier on probably weren't very good Um, like one that comes to mind was bagel butter which was basically instead of going to Dunkin' and then spreading the bagel, the butter on the bagel, basically they would have preloaded strips like the cheese that would just stick on it and spread it perfectly among the bagel. So yeah. I had a lot of ideas like that. Um, and kind of like Jack was just saying, around COVID is when that really started to hit me and kind of where I realized that I could actually do something. And I think what helped me a lot in kind of getting me to the point where I am now is I didn't have much experience in that field. Right. So I think Jack, like linking up with Jack, who has experience through the three dollar challenge and then kind of working through the launchpad, those two combined have kind of helped me to learn a lot through this entire experience and kind of understand how this all works, how you have to balance people with the business, all of these underlying components that kind of come along with it. And I think the last like it's been three months, which is so crazy to me. These last three months have been like the biggest learning experience of my life.
1: Awesome. And maybe talk about maybe how you guys met and how out to win sports became a thing, because I'm always interested in in co-founders. I don't know how the ideation process went for you guys. I don't know if like Jack came up with it and then Sam came on board or vice versa. But how do you guys like start out? Like, did you start out having the same vision? Did you have conflicting visions? Like, how did that what was that process like?
2: it's so funny because jack i don't think jack and i might have talked like once our first two years here and i i just it brings me back to this one time at a little bar in armory square where we were literally probably the first time we ever talked and we had a 15-minute conversation about how at some point during college we were going to start something and do something together and that was kind of the extent of that conversation flash forward to this summer I, I got hired at SSBC, Syracuse Sports Business Conference, and Verse Gaming, both which Jack was working for. He actually hired me for one of them. I don't know which one it was, but- really,
0: Both, really? Both of them, yeah.
2: So anyways, we connected through there. Um, I obviously, I run Barstool Cues. So we, it started out with SSBC. We were trying to get on guests for the show, for the digital series they were running. Jack and I realized, we could do something completely different from this and kind of make it our own. So we tinkered with it for months. We pivoted here and there time and time again. Um, but that's kind of where it all started. And then, so this is going on late June, early July. And then July 1st, the NCAA changes their stance on NIL. And suddenly that whole industry starts to boom. So Jack and I are sitting there Working on this thing, looking at each other, saying, "Why aren't we bringing sponsors in? Why aren't we getting money?" And that's where this kind of all started to uh, develop. But I I think it's funny just going back to the fact that like we literally had never talked before, met once, and uh, we're going to do. Wait,
1: so when so when you first met, you already started talking about starting a company together? Well, no, we
0: both knew that we had stuff going on that we we both had that business-minded spirit and like we both had been keeping track of each other and what we each like well we were both up mm. to and i think it we had a conversation about like business and about like startups and entrepreneurship and it kind of just like naturally flowed to the point where we were like fuck like we should we should work together like this is like yeah. we felt synergy and from there like we like didn't even really stay in touch i kind of like like le- left off on that note and then came back for like ssbc i had to like I was hiring I'm the chief of staff for SSBC and I was trying to think of like people that I thought would be a good fit for the role and Sam was one of the first people that came to mind is just after that conversation we had and then naturally from hiring and bringing him in for SSBC like that idea is really where it all stemmed from because we started by Mm -hmm. thinking what if we brought on college athletes and started a podcast with them and just brought them on and asked them about their experience in NIL and then I was working for an agency over the summer and uh, for So he, it's like the same thing that we're doing, except with professional athletes, with NBA, NFL guys. And my boss was basically saying, like, they want to get into NIL, but they just don't really have, like, the bandwidth to do so. They don't have the resources and connections. And so it made me realize, like, we're going to bring these guys on to ask them about NIL, but they don't even have – they're not even doing anything. They don't have anyone helping them. So, like, what if that is where we came in? and We actually hands-on help them through, like, a process of connecting them with sponsors, helping them build their brand. And that's mm-hmm. like like Sam said, like every single day, pretty much to this point, from a pivot, where like it's been pivot, pivot, pivot. See where there's fit for us in this market, and we're just basically trying to find figure out where in this new emerging industry, like where we can see ourselves fitting in for the long term.
1: mm mm-hmm. I think starting out a company, it's always great to co-found with someone that you get along well with. But how would you guys say? your strengths and maybe even touch on your weaknesses how how they complement each other
0: being a being co-founders is like it's like a marriage like it's like you're, it's like you're like dating the person yeah it's like <laughs> you have to like form like that trust and like it's luckily for Sam and I like we were able to like form like a business relationship before we actually became co-founders but the entire process is like figuring out who's going to do what and who's going to do it best and like i think it is like to anyone starting a business, I 100% recommend doing it with someone else because just after the experience of working on companies on my own, like you need someone else there for the accountability, which Sam is great at. Sam's great with accountability. Um, you need someone there for the accountability and you need someone there for the motivation because it's really hard to wake up every single morning feeling that same drive. Like you're naturally not going to feel that same energy, that same motivation to get to work every day. But when you have someone else there kind of like not necessarily holding you accountable, but just feeling that same having that same passion, having that same energy towards it, it just makes you wanna work more and like that's really what this last three months has been. We've both had times where we've woke up not feeling it, but the other one picks picks you up, and like you can't you can't say no to like just this like all around passion that you just like naturally feel
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So like, I-
2: I agree with that. And, and just going back to complimenting each other and all of that, Jack and I, I think we do a really good job of complimenting each other with what we're good at and what we're not. And kind of the way we've laid it out so far is that Jack has been amazing, and very locked in with the short term, with the execution, with the operations, with all that kind of stuff i get way too bogged down on those details and when i start doing one thing i forget everything else and i and i literally can't look in the long term so thus far i've spent the majority of my time focusing on kind of the roadmap the development where we're going so i think having that kind of inner relationship between those two keeps us balanced and it kind of allows us to operate like in real time each day, while still kind of preparing for the future and and when where we want to go. And Mm -hmm. so while we're kind of operating in those roles per se, each day, we meet every single day and then have these conversations and then kind of collectively decide where to go from there. So I think having that balance and then being able to come together when needed has thus far kind of been the most important thing for us to kind of stay together and moving forward.
1: Yeah, Uh, Jack kind of touched on it a bit. But with NIL, it's kind of a, a new, very rapidly changing sphere right now. And you're talking about, Sam, like long-term planning. How do you long-term plan with uh, you know, these new regulations that are so new for people? Like, Is that difficult to kind of look ahead when the, the landscape is still kind of chaotic right now?
2: Yeah, it's hard because we really don't know what's going to happen, right? At this mm-hmm. point, it's all kind of a guessing game. But the one thing that we know for sure is that the people that get in early... And not only get in early, but get in the right way are going to be the ones that last over a long period of time. Um, we talk a lot about first mover advantages, right? The first people in the market are going to be the ones that capitalize the most at the beginning. The thing is with NIL, there's new regulations and guidelines being implemented each and every day. So it's kind of changing. And if you mess up, there's a very short leech with compliance, with the schools, with the athletes' eligibility. So what we're kind of doing is we're trying to be the first Um, agency in this Syracuse market, but at the same time, we want to do it the right way. So we're making sure we cover all of our tracks with compliance here at Syracuse while kind of catering to the athletes and making sure that there's kind of a seamless partnership between us, the athlete, and compliance and the sponsor. So there's all of these different avenues to navigate. And I think when you're looking long-term, it's hard to see where this is going to go because right now, a lot of, I mean, with sponsors, you're kind of seeing one of two things. You're seeing people that really wanna get in right now. And then a lot of people that are like, I kinda of wanna see how the market unfolds. So right now there's deals getting done. I'm gonna use, I, I talked about this in one of our pitches, but Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for Oklahoma, right? Bigot, like number one quarterback coming into the year, had an absolutely horrendous start, got benched. He had a couple million dollars, I think in endorsement deals. And everyone was freaking out because these brands had invested a lot of money in him and he wasn't performing on the field. The thing is, because of that, the amount of publicity that was then coming out of those deals, kind of covering it, being like, I don't know what the brands were, but saying this brand put money in him. Now he's not performing. The amount of articles and PR coming out of that was so good for the brand that even hmm. investing in a player that's not performing kind of helped the brand out. Because when you look at it, a player's performance on the field has really no influence on a product or service of the brand. They, that, that guy could go out and tear his ACL on the field. Doesn't do anything to the product, right? There's no real connection between the two except for the promotion. So, I think kind of figuring out how this whole scene is going to work, how sponsors are going to navigate it, and then what athletes are going to want to be receptive to the most—whether it's long-term deals, whether it's deals that kind of fit their brand—navigating all of that is kind of what we're figuring out and hoping to do in the right way. So when we when we get to that point where we can really get everything moving as fast as possible. We're able to, able to cover all of those bases.
1: Mm-hmm. And throwing to you, Jack, as more of the, the short term guy, I saw you guys were doing a shoot with Josh Black, a Syracuse player. How I'm just curious, what is your what is your pitch now as like a, a you know, a newly founded company? What, what are you saying to these athletes to convince them to be to be a part of out to win? Athletes have
0: started off so the name, Image and Likeness laws were passed in July first. On July first. And a lot of these athletes have had like the idea at first that money was just gonna be handed into their like handed to them. Now that these laws are passed, companies were gonna come after them. They were gonna get money right off the bat. And now after a couple months they're starting to realize that's that's not the case. That's not what's gonna happen. So in order to be getting deals as a college athlete at Syracuse where you're not Buddy Beheim, where you're not someone that is a highly touted enough player to have brands coming after you it's on you you need to be the one going out there and actually doing the outreach yourself as an Mm -hmm. athlete you don't have the time to be doing that outreach yourself you have you have classes to go to which maybe some of them actually attend you have games you have practices a lot of these guys just do not have the time on their hands to actually be going out and doing this stuff themselves Mm -hmm. however there isn't there are not the resources coming to them from a professional like marketing agency level, coming to them offering their services. So for these athletes, I think it really is a no brainer um, to be working with us where we have now a database of sponsors, not only locally, but online, nationally, of people that we're working with and really just pitching the potential of the database that we're trying to grow here at Syracuse. Um, so the pitch to these athletes has been um, we're going to be here to help you through the process of taking advantage of your NIL through deal facilitation, through brand building, through storytelling. And we're going to be there holding your hand through the process and helping you take advantage of this era that is not only like unprecedented. These guys have no idea what's going on because it's so new. Um, but it's it's something that we actually have that first mover's advantage and we actually really know what, what's going on at the forefront.
2: Jack, what's something... Jack Alliance, what's something that you like? Like, what's something that you said? If you had a brand, what's kind of a a niche niche market of your brand?
1: If I had a brand, well, are you asking like who I would target?
2: No. Okay. So I'll I'll give you an example. This is how we sell it to athletes, right? Say this is what we did for Josh. Say you love working out. That's your thing. Basically what we're doing is we're giving you convenience. We're going to bring you a deal from a local gym. We're going to give you money because they're paying you, right? So basically, we're coming to you in hand with $100, $200, whatever that is. You're going into the gym. You're working out. You're talking to the guys. You're building relationships. At the same time, in Josh Black's case, we filmed a video for him that now he can post on his Instagram. You see with a lot of these social media promotions, it's guys posting, literally posting a picture saying, like, hashtag ad this is my favorite kind of cereal or whatever comes off as a complete promotion, right? What we're trying to do is we're trying to match these athletes with sponsors that kind of personalize it based on the brand, right? So these guys can then actually use that sponsorship as part of their own content, right? So Josh is like a huge workout junkie. Now he has that video. He can go post it and rather than putting it on and deleting it in a week, it's actually like a cool complimentary piece to his Instagram. So that's kind of our goal is kind of making it a little more real versus the whole social media promotion type vibe that you get from most of these endorsement deals. Yeah, so totally. we're going
0: we're going to these athletes and we're first having a sit down meeting with them where we say, "Okay, list out your interests, list out your passions, list out your hobbies." And basically we're getting an entire player profile on these guys based on their interests, based on their characteristics and and really just their their interests. So um, from there, what we're doing is we're going and we're doing specific targeted outreach towards the brands that we feel will actually authentically be able to represent their brand. So uh, my favorite example is Cole Swider, who we recently started working with, who had a story come out with him um, using meditation to prepare him for the game, saying that it has completely transformed his game. He feels like 10 times more comfortable on the floor because he's just using mindfulness and meditation to to relax him and make him game ready. Um mm-hmm. So we've been doing outreach to, ten, to tons of different meditation and mindfulness companies, uh, using this story about Cole to basically try and leverage a partnership there. So we're we're still in the process of connecting with a couple different companies, um. But mm-hmm. that's just a, a great example of how we're using the personalized stories of these guys to try and connect them with sponsors.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there any? Uh, first of all, I love that approach. It's very interesting. Is there any? Um conversations you've had with athletes where they convey their interests and you're maybe a little surprised or like shocked
0: i mean justin yeah. Barron has tats so I, I wasn't too surprised to hear him ask about a tattoo parlor but um I, I just like in general it's just like like you think about businesses that would partner with an athlete and it's kind of like you think restaurants, you think businesses, you don't necessarily think like tattoos. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about some of the miscellaneous stuff that's not like a regular business that you see every day. So that mm-hmm. one came off as a surprise to me. I mean,
2: ultimately, the athletes that are going to be the most successful with this are guys that are going to have interests that are different from everyone else, because mm-hmm. that's how they're really going to get into the market, right? There's only so much you can do with clothing or with, I mean, lifting's a different example, but with clothing, with food, with protein powder, with any of those, there's kind of a short leash with that. If suddenly you have an offensive lineman that's a huge fisherman, you can tap into an entirely different market than they're seeing with football, right? So mm-hmm. kind of having those unique interests is actually what we're kind of looking for, because you're really yeah. able to tap into that market that hasn't really been touched on your page yet.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like the athlete will be more vo- motivated to create content and work with the company that they actually interests align with. Um, looking, looking forward for you guys, what's, I know you said that there's a lot of kind of moving parts. Um, what, what is the, you know, what are the next coming steps? Where, where are you guys at now? And what are you trying to accomplish within, I guess, the next two to three years? Oh,
2: two to three years. So I'll start short. I'll start short because the first thing we need to do is really, uh, nail down our credibility, right? And that's just doing a couple of deals, kind of getting the name out there and building up from there because- I mean, the matter of fact is these sponsors are paying money for these athletes, and and they're giving it to us to facilitate the transaction. So how are they supposed to trust us if we haven't done these deals? So we kind of have to build up from the ground level, right? Build that up a little more. And then our plan is to start launching campaign-type deals where instead of a one-time deal, it's kind of like you just mentioned, an athlete... We, we pair an athlete with a personalized brand that they like and enjoy creating content for. And it's something that's maybe carried out over the course of the year or the course of two years, or whatever that looks like, where we can kind of create partnerships that will outlast maybe even their time at Syracuse and something that they can kind of partner and will be beneficial for both parties. So, I mean, long-term we're looking for longevity in these deals mm-hmm. versus quick and short and, and kind of like a quick money grab per se. Mm. We're looking to create these long-lasting relationships that um, will will benefit these athletes after their playing career if they're not going to play professionally, and also benefit these sponsors, helping them increase their brand exposure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, a final question for you both, me a little bit more personal, I'll get to know you a little more. What what would you guys say is like the athlete that you looked up to the most from a business perspective?
2: You got it, Jack. Oh, that's I'm, gonna cool. think, I'm gonna think about mine. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. food I think, up to from a business perspective, there's a couple. and Sue is, like, incredible in the NFL because he's, dude, he's gotten suspended countless times, right? He's, like, I thought he was just, like, a menace. You go to his Twitter, and his whole Twitter page is just enlightening people about personal finance, about saving, about investing. <laughs> so I look at that, and that, to me, is, like, just eye-opening to the fact that, I mean, I thought he was a defensive lineman, and that's about it. Yeah, he had this whole other business side to him. So there's that. Then you look at someone like Mikey Williams, right? Who's, I don't know, 17 years old, the top. I don't even know if he's good at basketball, to be honest, but he Mm. has a couple million followers on Instagram, right? So even just building that brand, he's got millions of dollars coming his way in the next couple of years. So it's kind of a, a bridge between the athletes that have successfully built up these followings, whether they're good or not with the guys that are professional and are starting to use their experience to then kind of teach and educate others on what they should be doing financially and business-wise.
0: Thank you, Sam, for giving me some time to think about mine. Um, So I actually had the opportunity to work uh, under Kevin Durant's brand, which is called Boardroom. Uh, So he's partnered up with Rich Kleinman on a VC firm called 35 Ventures. So Kevin Durant is someone that is one of the best basketball players, maybe ever, and one of the best businessmen in nBA history, so like people might not even realize it, but what he has going on in the background business wise is unbelievable. He has an entire sports media brand um, that has a podcast that has, has podcasts that has consistent content coming out just on the business of sports and just being someone that aspires to work in sports media it's been really cool to see what someone like kevin who's probably the best scorer of all time also being the best scorer like in money off the court and like to see what they're building with boardroom is kind of exactly what i always had in mind for something that needs to be there which is like just centers around the business of sports and um seeing what they're doing there is inspiring to be like rich Kleiman who's someone who came from like the slums of new york who is now working with kevin durant as a business partner and they're building something unbelievable over there with boardroom
2: Mm-hmm. And and lastly I just want to shout out Michael Jordan because we might not think of it but at one point he literally launched that shoe brand and now it's a billion dollar business. Yeah, so if you yeah. really want to talk about that business, MJ. that's him. Yeah,
1: and just the athlete sponsorships in general, I feel like that like wasn't a thing before Michael Jordan. He kind of yeah. popularized that. Yeah. Well, fellas, I appreciate you coming on. You guys have very bright futures either without to winners as individuals. You guys are awesome, and I appreciate you coming on. We'll always be out. Thanks, brother.
0: Peace out, I Appreciate
1: it. This podcast was produced by me, Jack Lyons. Music was created by Connor Johnson. Cover art was created by Jackson Sephora. The Commute to Class podcast is brought to you by the Blackstone Launchpad at Syracuse University Libraries.